Well, hello and welcome once again to Beat the Reset. My name is Tim and I am the guy in the hat. And today I wanted to share with you my perspective on what I believe is happening in the Middle East with regards to the global monetary system. A little bit of background though before we go any further. First of all, this involves fundamentally, in my opinion, two institutions. One is the East and the BRICS Alliance, the B-R-I-C-S Alliance, and the other, of course, is the Western Alliance, essentially the currencies that form the International Monetary Fund's special drawing rights currency, but more specifically in the West, the United States dollar, which is still fundamentally, as of the recording of this podcast, still the world reserve currency. And right now, uh, again, 60% of countries around the world still hold US dollars in reserve. So it is, and for, uh, by all counts, the world reserve currency. But for how much longer? It uh, does beg the question. And at some point, this US dollar is going to fall apart and fail, mainly because it has two cents and falling of buying power, less than two cents of its original buying power as compared to gold in 1913. So it is fundamentally finished as far as purchasing power goes. But let's go back to where this conversation began with the East, the BRICS alliance, Brazil, Russia, India, China and South Africa, largely uh, starting to form an alliance around about 2011. Commodity trading nations, largely. Russia, of course, major gas giant. You have South Africa, absolutely massive in minerals. You know, and Brazil, we have oil. And these are huge trading nations. However, the BRICS alliance has one country within its group that is particularly of interest to me. And that, of course, is China. In 1949, Mao Zedong, Chairman Mao, made the famous statement that within a hundred years, China would be the superpower of planet Earth. And I think they're right on target to achieve it. And how will they do that exactly? Well, the first step, of course, is to form a separate trading alliance because the United States, essentially, since it became the world reserve currency in 1944 at Bretton Woods, has largely been the bully of the planet. From 1944 to 1971, effectively, all countries around the world traded unilaterally with the US dollars in reserve. And that's largely because, of course, back in those days, the United States was pegged to gold at $35 an ounce at the wholesale level. And what I mean by that is central banks could trade gold, but the man in the street, of course, couldn't because it was illegal after 1934 for the common man to trade gold. You could own up to five ounces of gold, but effectively it was non-tradable. And that didn't change right up until the 1st of the 1st, 1975, when it was repealed by Gerard Ford, the, uh, the then President of the United States, the non-elected, I should say, President of the United States, of course, because he took over from uh, President Nixon after Nixon left office. Now, he didn't last very long, but one thing that he did do is he removed, he returned the right for the common man to once again trade gold, and of course, gold skyrocketed through the 70s. Going back to the BRICS nations, we are seeing, of course, the rise of China. And the reason for that is because the BRICS nations really need to pick a trading currency that is going to be very, very powerful and obviously able to be traded on a global global level. And of course, the yuan, the ruble really does fit that as well, but uh, definitely the yuan. And I'm going to get back to that in a moment. Now, of course, recently, 
in the August of 2023, the BRICS nations met in South Africa to determine a direction forward. And largely at that meeting, they effectively denounced the US dollar as, as one of their primary trading currencies. This is catastrophic for the United States, of course, because these trading partners are critical uh, for the United States. They haven't stated, the BRICS alliance have not stated which currency they're going to preference as their primary currency, but you could back it in that it's either going to be ruble, but more likely to be Chinese renminbi, uh, otherwise known as yuan. So that is potentially what could happen here. After that meeting, it was determined that there were another 40 or so interested nations, maybe 44 interested nations in joining the BRICS alliance because everybody has had enough of the US dominance and US bullying and sanctioning and being bossed around by the uh, the US. So they, of course, this alliance want to break away from that and to come up with a new trading regime and probably even a new world reserve currency. Will it be commodity-backed? And there's been a lot of talk about, will this currency be commodity-backed? My opinion, no, it won't. But there's been a lot of debate and largely sparked by a few comments that uh, were made at the very, very early stages of the BRICS alliance. But there is a loose suggestion that it could be commodity-backed. The obvious commodities that would back it would be gold, silver and oil to spread out the wealth across the three commodities to sort of flatten the volatility. But again, the problem with commodity-backed fiat currencies is that they uh, restrict currency expansion. And of course, the debt-based economy, largely perpetrated by central banks, cannot uh, rotate properly, if you like, cannot evolve without the incidence of debt, because that's what central banks do, is they produce debt. And that's all they could ever do. The commodities, of course, are designed to restrict the, uh, the expansion of the currency supply, and of course, tether it to a commodity so that to give the currency some sort of value. So do I see BRICS being commodity-backed? Not at this stage. The likely commodity for it, though, could be oil, not so much gold and silver. So oil, maybe. In addition to the five nations that make up the BRICS alliance, there are now a further six. Argentina, Ethiopia, Egypt, Iran, the United Arab Emirates, and of course, Saudi Arabia. Getting back to this conflict in the Middle East and trying to tie it all together for you, the three nations that really are important, especially with regard to this crisis in the Middle East, are Saudi Arabia and China. They're first and foremost because the Saudis, uh, as of the 1st of the 1st, 2024, are going to preference oil in Chinese renminbi instead of US dollars. Um, the other country that's critical to this debate is Iran. And that is because they are a key player in the oil roads through to China. So why, again, does this matter for the Middle East? Well, to answer that, one more part of the puzzle, of course, is the US dollar. Now, the United States was never going to go down without a fight. War, pestilence, famine, the three favoured protocols of change, war, pestilence and famine, listed, of course, in uh, any good Bible and scripture. This is the way it's generally done. Have we seen pestilence? It could be argued over the last few years we have. Have we seen famine? That, that could be on the horizon. And are we seeing war? Well, yes, we are. We're seeing war in the Middle East. Why the Middle East? Well, it could be argued that uh, Israel, of course, the, uh, the Jewish power centre, is, of course, has heavily vested interests in the United States, of course, monetarily. 
They, of course, don't want to see the collapse of the US dollar either because they have vested interests. So the US has to do something. So again, what could potentially happen here? So what I really see going on is the skirmish in the Middle East. And I don't want to talk too much about the specifics here because there's there's a lot of heartache and devastation that go with war. So I just want to leave that part of it out for a second. And I want to focus in on the monetary system. What I see happening is a clear target at China. And you're probably trying to put this together as you're listening to this, thinking, where is the guy in the hat going? And this is how it tends to play. Because, of course, the United States don't want to look like they are a direct, uh, directly involved in this. But they very well could be. And if you follow this train of thought, you will find that I may actually be on the money right here. Excuse the pun. So here's how it plays. Israel, of course, are attacked by an enemy, according to them. This is their words, not mine. And now there is a skirmish. However, there are certain handshake agreements in the Middle East. And one of those countries that needs to come to the defense of Palestine will be Iran. Now, isn't that interesting? The United States and Israel would know about these handshake agreements and these alliances. And they would know that it was that Iran would have no choice but to defend and, and take preemptive action in the the Middle East should such a skirmish arise. They would know all this in advance. Now, why does that affect China? Because Iran, of course, recently became a BRICS nation, and China is a rising BRICS nation that has got the support of Saudi Arabia through their oil roads and the preferencing of, of China's yuan as the what we call the petro yuan. Now, of course, you can't go in and attack China. The United States can't do that because, of course, they're signatories to a convention with the United Nations that basically give them full veto power. They're one of five nations. The United States, China, Russia, France, and, of course, the United Kingdom all have full veto power on the board of the United Nations. So it's not likely that the United States is just going to barge in and declare war on China. It would be very silly. Of course, the other country is Saudi Arabia. They're not going to declare... No one's going to declare war on Saudi Arabia. They're far too powerful from an economic viewpoint. Now, that just leaves poor old Iran. Now, of course, no one's going to declare war on Iran directly. So here we have a skirmish in the Middle East that Iran is obligated to take part in. And once they do that, then they will be exposed and vilified by the mainstream media in the West. They will be uh, heralded as uh, heretics and a nation that has nuclear powers that could potentially blow up the world. They will be vilified on every level, giving the Western alliance the excuse to go in and bomb the oil fields or to take out certain oil fields within Iran. This is a highly likely possibility. Now, again, you can see how the strategy works just perfectly because the oil roads being decimated in Iran would affect China and the rise of China, especially at a time when the Saudis are about to uh, launch together with China the Petro Yuan or the Petro Rinmimbi. And this is how it's done. Now, of course, the United States don't look like they would be involved, but they are heavily involved because, of course, Israel and the United States are inextricably linked through their power centres. The question is, where does the United States dollar go from here? So the first thing is they want to hurt China in, 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 from an economic standpoint, but not directly because China is a trading partner with the United States. But here's one of the interesting anomalies for the US. They have got a little bit of a conundrum, and that is the fact that whilst China is not only their trading partner and China is a major BRICS alliance partner, which is an Eastern alliance partner, China also forms a basket of currencies that the United States may rely on 
to save the US dollar. Let me explain. If the US dollar were to fail, they only have very limited options on where they could potentially go. One is to try to ram in their new cryptocurrency uh, known as central bank digital currency. The other, and that could be done through FedNow or the Digital Currency Money Authority, which has just produced the UMU, the Unicoin. But more than likely, they're going to turn to the International Monetary Fund, which has the special drawing rights currency. Now, that special drawing rights currency is essentially a secondary reserve currency or could be a secondary reserve currency if the US dollar were to fall over. And of course, it's made up of five trading currencies. Well, let's have a look at those trading currencies, the British pound, the euro, the Japanese yen, the US dollar, and you guessed it, the Chinese renminbi or the Chinese yuan. So this creates a little bit of a complexity for the United States because whilst they want to hurt China in a way, not militarily, but monetarily, they also have to be very, very aware that China is also in the basket of currencies that form the SDR. Now, of course, the SDR is evaluated every five years. And if the Chinese yuan was to fail, well, they wouldn't make it into the basket of currencies. They would be dropped from the, from the basket and replaced with something else. So there is a little bit of strategy going on here. And that's what I see the Middle Eastern skirmish about from a monetary perspective. There are other interests there, of course, and there are other reasons for the skirmish, and I can't go into all of those. But I can certainly say without uh, too much shadow of a doubt that the oil roads are critical. And if you think about the Middle East, you largely think about the oil roads. That's, that's something that's, that's quite integral to that region. So it makes sense that the skirmish will drag Iran in. That'll give the, the Western Alliance the excuse to bomb the oil fields. And of course, that will hurt China indirectly without anybody looking like, especially the United States, looking like they did anything at all and perhaps get away with that totally scot-free whilst they work out a way to save their flailing US dollar. So that's it for me, the guy in the hat. Just thought I'd share these views. I um, have done a lot of research in this area. I hope you benefit from these discussions. If you haven't already got a copy of my new book, it's called The Great Asset Shift. It's available from beattheresetcomau That's beattheresetcomau You can also get a copy of my first book, Things We Were Never Told About Money. That's it for me, the guy in the hat, and as I always say, make good choices. <laughs>